Hello, I'm Daniel Weiss, your host, and you are listening to Average to Exceptional Podcast. My aim with this podcast is to inspire you, to empower you, so you take the steps necessary to improve your performance, personal and business life, take charge of your health and emotional state, and live a fulfilled life. In today's episode, I had the privilege and pleasure to speak with Mayo Srnik, who is an ultra runner and a business owner. Mayo is a face of Vivo Barefoot, Nathan, Luna Sandals, and you could see him, for example, at the UTMB, which is a very prestigious ultra distance event that spans across three countries. It starts in France, in Chamois, uh, goes through Switzerland, Italy, you know, through mountain passes and back. So there is a lot of climbing involved, a lot of running. And for example, this year, there has been a lot of rain involved as well. But Mayo had many experience from these ultra endurance races. He also raced in jungle and in desert. So he is a very inspiring and quite experienced person in that matter. But Mayo has not always been an ultra runner as he moved to Canada like 16 years ago and that was the time when he was not a runner. He hoped for a better life. So once he moved to Canada, he hustled there, you know, like you can imagine changing not only like the moving from city to city, but moving to a whole new different country. That is a big step, quite a big step to make. And this I admire. And as he says, you need to focus on things that are right in front of you. So you can be thinking about what is too far ahead. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. So he built his company there. He gave up smoking and exchanged it for running. And what I really love about it is that he has a really great healthy relationship with running. If, if he didn't absolutely loved it, he wouldn't do it. He would do something else. Maybe he would start smoking again. And that is what is important. So sit back and enjoy and Please let me introduce you, Mayo Srnik. I will start by asking you, like, uh, how did you get to Canada, actually? Because you are so like, uh, you have been there for, what, 16 years, you mentioned, and what I, from yeah. what I read, you, you went there with your girlfriend from Slovakia, who is your wife now? Yeah, that's what it was like. We, uh, like... Basically, back of the days, there was a, I mean, it's probably still now, there is a way to move to Canada, they call it land and emigrant process. Ah, so, awesome. yeah, you would, you would apply in Slovakia and uh, basically they check out like what kind of schools you finish and some little bit of background about you, I guess, uh, if you are criminal and all that stuff, of course. <laughs> And then you gotta eventually do like a health check also if you handle healthy and so on and so forth. And then yeah, eventually like it take us about two and a half, three years, probably that waiting process until she got the green light and they say, Yeah, you guys good to go. So we move here and they didn't know anybody, they didn't know exactly where to go and then kinda of stay here sixteen years now. Uh, that sounds very inspiring actually because <laughs> I saw that but there was actually that they were offering uh, farming land or something like that 
Oh, how, uh, how was uh, it? How was it in your case? No, the I'm I'm not sure. Like I read some stuff in one of the Bulwark magazines in Slovakia. Like I'm I'm not even sure if that's just the rumors or it's reality. But maybe if it is reality, then some provinces somewhere in the very east, uh, like uh, or or north or something, where it's a uh, population basically zero or very tiny or people doesn't have a lot of job opportunities or something like that, then maybe government would offer people some land and then you build a house there or something, which is still expensive to do so. It sounds like a dream come true for you when, oh, they give you a lot of land, but the reality is, yeah, like if you move to Canada and you want to survive, you got to go in the big cities where there's a lot of work. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's uh, like, you know, the land in the village without work and without ability to build a house, it doesn't mean much for you. So <laughs> I don't think it's that easy, but it sounds inspiring. Maybe people just to get them over here because still Canada. But, you know, like I would say in last <clears throat> last three years, we had a little comeback with economy. Uh, but when I come here, the, everything was based on a lot of oil economy, like uh, the oil was just booming and the work was like insane how much opportunities people had, The you know, like cafeterias or McDonald's or very basic stuff. Uh -huh. Every single one of them have a, you know, we are hiring basically every time, like there wasn't a problem to find a job. And even construction was going crazy. So for the guys who want to work something uh, manually, they were totally able to find a job. But probably six years ago, the economy went a little bit down when Americans push on the oil and change the price per barrel. Then Canadian oil, it's not like they don't really dig a hole in the ground and the liquid come up, but it's, uh, it's oil in the sands and they have to somehow separate the sand from the oil. So the process of uh, basically making it is a little bit more expensive than just dug a hole and boom, there you have it, right? Uh -huh. So when, when the price is changed, they just stopped it, uh, basically pushing all that, all, all that forces on, on, you know, economy with the oil went down a little bit and then people start losing jobs and yeah, it was kind of, uh, kind of a downhill slope from there but I would say in the last two three years again like I see a lot of lot of people especially from Czech Republic coming for one year visa I'm not sure what it is like a work and travel maybe or some of those so a lot of Czechs coming and a bunch of Slovaks too but I would say 70% people 75 what come for what whatever kind of visa they try to stay here because they love it, they feel in love in Canada. Okay, so and uh, how did you start there actually? Because that was just the start of the journey. You moved there to Canada, but you had to find a job or create a job, right? For yourself, so... Yeah. <clears throat> how, how was the start? Well, I find a job which... Uh, well, I was, I was doing some painting houses like outside. Because back home in Slovakia, I was working on the like I didn't I didn't really work uh, in any corporation like ever in my life. I always been kind of self-employed uh, idea guy. So back in Slovakia, we was working on the ropes like uh, 
cleaning windows on the high rises and painting the electrical towers and and all these kind of stuff. Uh, so when I come here, I find a job and we were painting houses outside, trims around the chimneys, around, you know, like that kind of stuff around the windows and such. But that was very seasonal, basically, when we hit a minus 20, minus 30, like nobody have a job. So you got to look for something else. So then somebody says, like, you know, I'm looking for a guy to something indoors. They call it taping, like a drywall, that kind of stuff. And I didn't know what the hell that is. But I need a job over the winter, survive it. And I was thinking back then, like, I will eventually go again outside and just continue the painting the houses or whatever. And back then, I was also delivering newspapers in the midnight and, like, just try to hustle, you know, make a living, like, get some money going and settle down because we didn't really come with a lot of money here. Uh, yeah, and yeah, so I find this job and I start work there. The guy was great. He teach me everything about it. And then I realized I can make more money this way instead of going back to the painting. So I never did. And then, uh, yeah, that was a company of probably six, seven people. We was working together. The guy was the owner and we was rolling job to job. But I saw I can do stuff a little bit differently, maybe more efficient and maybe better and so on. So eventually I just kind of opened my own company and, uh, and start doing basically the same thing for different people and just keep on rolling from there. Ah, yes. So the, that was your story. There? This is interesting. How, how does actually ultra running fit into the perspective? Uh, have you started because I know that you started because you wanted to quit smoking and that was before you moved to Canada or afterwards? I I cannot hear you. It's very, very bad connection. Yeah, I, I saw there was some like bad internet connection. So I, is, it, is it better now? Yeah, yeah, much better. Okay, so how does the Ursharanik part? fits into the whole picture because I, I know that you started running because you wanted to stop smoking yeah that's and... partially yeah yeah go on yeah well basically like you know back of the days I was a kid started rock climbing and then all my focus was just on climbing like that was my life that was the church that was that was the god that was everything was going to the rocks to, like you know big big mountains around the Slovakia and Europe and so on and we was a bunch of awesome guys which still I have the friends for life they're still there some of them some die in weird accidents but I don't want to talk about that but we are awesome friends and you know like from that community I was kind of walk away into Canada when I didn't know anybody and I had to first before you start thinking about climbing or doing anything fun, you gotta you gotta build some base, right? So I didn't have money, I didn't have a car back then and you know, even even I don't know, maybe we we can say from going into Canada you kinda upgrading, but I felt like I, I almost downgraded because, you know, back home I have a you know, family house and all the this kind of stuff. Like it's kinda like you don't realize 
once you move into a different country and then you need to buy a microwave toaster and all the basic stuff like it cost a lot of money just to have a tv on on the, on the stand and all that so i spent really a lot of time to not because i was like hungry to buy a ferrari or something you know but you just need to catch up with the with the money and and settle down in some sort of a routine but like all the focus was building on the company and and work a lot i felt like anyway i don't know when other people might see it differently i didn't you know like the slovakian attitude it's kind of work 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 there is no much of a uh pleasure in that like you always people always work around the house or doing something rebuilding something i don't know and i try to you know try to enjoy my life as well not just to be a slave of a big bank account like money comes money goes anyway so yeah i just felt like you know from that being active doing the sport and and living that kind of lifestyle i just become a little bit of like losing myself my personality and just become uh the the machine for for making money and and uh, pay attention to that which was fine but also it was kind of like not very adventurous i guess and uh you know i i started running because that that was a little bit of kind of like a you know like middle age crisis i don't know maybe we can talk about that whatever but but there was a, a, a junior hockey team was here that was a world cup of junior hockey and back then i was taking pictures for probably newspaper and uh, that i was there in the you know calgary saddle dome basically all week taking pictures of these athletes you know playing hockey and it just felt so inspiring and i i was looking at myself like dude like you're going out to smoke a cigarette taking pictures here sitting and like you you could do better you know so i just wanna i just wanna kind of change the lifestyle i guess so i started running my wife she was running back then bunch of races but she was running randomly and uh she was training for half marathon or something and she said she's going for a run so i said ah, i think i'm gonna join you but first i have to buy a new running shoes because i didn't have a running shoes I, i'm pretty sure i had like plenty enough footwear to run it but yeah we went to the store i got some stupid nikes and then i went for 7k with her and felt good even being a smoker back then i totally enjoyed like i didn't have a problem with wow. nothing like she she was running slow and i was just running with her you know like no pressure it just felt like oh this is awesome like i could totally run and yeah well then then i like you know start running more and more and then smoking and running it kind of like doesn't go together so that kind of faded away but it wasn't really like you know decision like oh i don't want to smoke so i'm gonna run it's just yeah. you know the running become a kind of new and better way to spend the time than smoking i guess but which i i would still enjoy a cigarette totally i'm not even gonna lie i think that's the worst addiction in the world it's it's hard to get rid of it and you know you can try whatever a lot of people go back to it and once in a while i will have a totally smoke why not but try to run more than smoke that's for sure Mm-hmm. That's interesting, actually, that you mentioned it because, like, the 
psychology be behind creating or replacing habits is like you find a new stimuli or something like that that's that will replace the same thing right so instead of cigarettes you know people often uh, use a chewing gum in your case it was running and it stayed or stuck with you so <laughs> for how, how long have you been running now now well technically from the first day if we if we gonna call that running i think it's gonna be seven years mm -hmm. but when it comes to like very continuous training or some sort i would say probably like six to five ish but that, that's another thing when like i run probably five years really and uh I really run like ultras five years also like I don't have a lot of gap there between those two you know like basically since I started running and, and felt kind of like oh I love this thing then I jump in the ultra right away almost like I I run a uh, 24-hour race which I run 140k in and that was before I complete like a first marathon like first like a regular race marathon yeah. 42 and also like my first race half marathon was like i don't know only last year or something you know so i, I really i really uh that idea when when i started running was about going long and i didn't care how how fast if you will like mm -hmm. i wasn't inspired like a lot of people goes like oh i'm gonna run 5k and then i'm gonna run 10k and if that's cool, then I'm going to try half marathon and then they get stuck there because they run half marathon in, I don't know, three hours. So they try to do it in sub two hours and then they will dream about marathon. Like, I don't really care about those numbers. I was just like, what? Ultra running? 100 miles? Sure, let's do it. So I didn't care about, you know, being fast. And I still don't. I try to enjoy my running more than freaking about like I train for a race because I know I need to be ready for a race in general, but I'm not really, you know, like when I was going now in the UTMB, like I, I just want to be strong. So I enjoy the race, but I didn't really put myself like, Hey, I want to run it in 25 hours and it's gotta be that or yeah, I'm a loser or something, you know, like I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's a more of a, like the, the process because running take me places also so I try to choose kind of interesting races like now I'm going to Africa before I was in the Tahoe Mexico and stuff like I know a lot of people don't have that ability to travel as much but still for me I got to work for that and then cost me money so it's not given for free but I think in the in the life you got to pick and choose like where you're gonna Invest. what you're gonna focus on you know if, if your focus is to have a, the nicest, the most expensive house on the street and riding the nicest and most uh, expensive uh, car on the street, then you're probably going to be busy achieving those goals instead of traveling around the world like a bum with no much things, just the dirt bagging and and right. running places and you know in the Facebook if if I post hey I was in the Mexico and now in the Chamonix and then going to Africa people say oh my god 
And then I'm looking on the same Facebook and they have a big car in front of the house. So I'm saying, oh my God, you know, like <laughs> it's just grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, how they say. Uh-huh. That's how it is. So, so basically, it's a lot of, from your perspective, it's about priorities, right? Somebody, somebody's priorities, big house or whatever, some yeah, uh, for sure, uh, man. Things and for somebody, it's experience, and actually, experience uh, might be even more impactful for our lives, maybe. And it goes actually hand in hand, like uh, in one of the interviews you wrote, and this was actually about the sports equipment I, and. Sorry. Daniel? Yes. Can you hear me? Daniel, oh. your your connection is very bad. What the hell? Okay, now I can hear you better. Can you hear me now? I didn't have idea. I didn't have idea what you said. Yeah, okay, so I will repeat that. Basically that goes hand in hand with one interview that I read and with you and actually you mentioned there it was about sports equipment but I think it goes also with the whole idea of I don't know how to call it maybe minimalism and yeah and and in the interview actually you mentioned that it's often that people focus on these like things equipment and give power to equipment instead of giving power to themselves and I really loved that quote like I think that is very powerful well yeah I I still believe that I think when you know when you are basically naked then it's really you who doing things and and you can judge your own performance based on yourself and I I can't imagine if I if I would have a 15 different brands of shoes and different kind of shoes in my closet and then I would run 10k in the 15 different pairs and all my results would be a different you know like like <laughs> I, I, it would be really confusing like I just wanna I just wanna know what I can do and not uh not judging my performance based on like which shoes are better. It's almost like adding on person something extra and like we're talking about steroids and we're talking about, you know, all kinda of, all, all kinda of help and I really don't feel, you know, like we, we should be, you know, judging these things. Like, yeah, this guy runs sub two hours marathon, but he have a carbon fiber plate in his shoes and this guy ran it in 215 but he was barefoot so who is better you know i don't know it's just weird and i really think you know like people people can do amazing things and of course you're going to need some equipment and you're going to need some gear because you need to have a pack to carry your stuff you have a good jacket when it's snowing raining and all that stuff but you know all these all these things it's kind of like helping you but it's always you who, who doing these things and if you don't have that power, if you don't have that mental power, then none of that gonna happen just because you have the most expensive shoes in the world. It doesn't doesn't freaking matter. So yeah, I still believe that, and that's what I do. I run sandals, I run Vivo barefoot shoes, and you know that's that's basically my choice of footwear. I don't know. Like I was thinking sometimes, you know, if 
let's say Hoka would say like, Hey, we love what you're doing and we, we're going to help you out with your travel and stuff. Like I would have to say no to that. Even the idea is great, but I, I can run in those shoes. So yeah, if I can, then, then I can, it's hard to imagine and nothing wrong with the Hoka, you know, for a lot of people, that's probably the simplest shoe. And maybe they, they have a, crazy shoe but cut down on everything else and a lot of people it may be running in the sandals but rest of the gear it's going totally crazy i see a lot of people with all the compression socks and so on so forth like it's hard to judge but whatever works for for people i guess to just you know enjoy yourself enjoy your running and to me the simplest way i can enjoy it the mostly so that's what i'm that's what i'm doing yeah, I guess it's just a part of the running and the running community that people enjoy also buying this gear and uh, wearing different colors and yeah, you know, whole experience. They feel like a different person when they go from their nine to five job or whatever. They put on their this gear and it creates a different yeah. identity. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like it's funny because I'm I'm talking and running and almost running naked and the barefoot, but I also super enjoy uh, road road uh, road biking. And in that case, I go totally crazy. I would spend money on the bicycle and put all kind of sensor and power meters on it and all kind of crap just because exactly like you said, like you know, you put on your fancy spandexy uh jersey and the, and the tights and have a pretty bike and you can ride like it, it's a great sport i love it but you know like what i do there i'm not transferring the running and so on it's just yeah i guess people it's exactly like identity. yeah like you said uh you're sitting in your cubicle working for some corporation and hours and then you want to feel yourself and if pink shoes make you happy, then put it on, go for a run, who cares, right? Yeah, right. So, uh, how do you actually combine all these things together? Because now you are a business owner, you do ultra running, which requires a lot of running, right? So, yeah. a lot of time spent on your feet, so you have also wife, you need to eat, so how do you combine that? Well, it, it is... Like you said, it's about priorities. Like, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have a recipe. It's uh, it's definitely not gonna be balanced life. Like people saying, you know, you got to find the balance between between things. But I don't think uh, you can find a balance in ultra running. It's always gonna be chaos, and you're going to do stuff randomly and. You know, like when I have a long day at work, then I can run, so it's going to wait. And then tomorrow I might have a short day, so I can run longer. And it's just kind of adapt what I can do and I cannot. And for sure, my company in 1.3, two years ago, I have a seven employees. And now I'm just by myself. I work with another partner of mine, like a friend of mine, Victor, another Slovakian guy. And we are help each other out. If we have a big job, then we smash it together. If we have a smaller ones, just do it separately. And we try to, uh, you know, he's doing his things, running also, biking, skiing, whatever. I'm doing mine. It's it's hard. Like you gotta pick and choose. You know, I I wish I have a recipe for yeah. this, but 
I'm sure if I would focus on on still like full on on my company and and have that rolling very very well, then I would never be ultra runner because I I can be. It's a it's a time consuming things to be wrapped up in that full on and yeah, like you know the the, the I don't know like you know I'm gonna tell you something true story though. When uh, when I started yes, running, please. that was that was uh, I, I just fell in love with the long distance running. I didn't have idea I'm gonna be good at it, or I didn't know what to expect. I never never even crossed my mind I could be sponsored by anybody or anything like that. I just started running, and then because in Canada the community it's not that huge, I guess it's just a bunch of people more or less the same. Over the time, we almost know each other, and we run races together, and we train together, whatever. So in that not very big community of people, I somehow finished top 10, top 5, then second place, then win some marathons, and this and that. And, and fairly quickly, that ego was growing, and I felt like I'm I'm good athlete, you know, and, and I felt like... Almost, I could be sponsor full time, and I'm like gonna make this kind of my living, whatever. But realistically, I was fastest guy in the village, and there is another world out there, right? So uh, then I went in the states, and I went probably from top three to top fifteen, top twenty. I realized, okay, there is more people like me, and then later on, you just kind of put it in perspective, and you see. Yeah, I still have that competitive drive in me, and I want to be the best I can. But also, there is a, there is a lot of people who do this for a living already, like Jim Wamsley and uh, and um, Killian Jornet, and you know, there is hundreds of people who are in a different level than we are, like doing this like a hobby and stuff. And then you have to realize you're gonna you're gonna take out of the race how much you put in. So. You can be living this, thinking, okay, I'm gonna put aside my family, my work, and completely everything, and I'm just gonna completely focus on running. But you gotta be honest with yourself. Like I'm 40 years old, and I'm never gonna be these guys. And it's hard to just sacrifice so much, you know. Like UTMB now, I have a beautiful story running with one of the fastest uh, ladies pretty much like Magda Boulet and the Casey and and Amanda Basham Smasham and uh, you know like I, I knew maybe if I'm gonna run my own race and push harder I'm not gonna finish 168 but I'm gonna finish 128 or 100 place right? right but what's the difference like really what what's the difference in the bigger perspective like you want to remember the race like to be a something special and you got a story to tell and it's a beautiful way to go in the Chamonix and run a race and spend your time with these ladies and have that connection and make friends for the rest of your life instead of being uh, by myself pushing pushing and jump only you know 20 30 places ahead there is nothing to it really right it doesn't make a difference mm -hmm. and that's where you try to keep a balance, and uh, if you will, or you, you're looking for uh, how you're going to keep working and training and all that stuff. you got to be 
yourself you gotta, you gotta find a reason why you're doing so like if you're really young enough strong enough have a good genetics have a good motorics it's you are the the guy with with potential to winning then yeah maybe you can you know go to the bank take a loan i don't know fifty thousand euros whatever like if that's even possible i don't know and spend one year of training and running hard and if you win everything big enough and maybe you will get sponsored by i don't know red bull and salomon whatever and you're gonna make a living out of it but if you guy in middle age crisis try to turn your life around because you've been a couch potato for the last 15 years and now you just want to be a runner then you know you got to still think you have a family and you have a job but enjoy your running make the best out of it but don't you know don't let everything else in your life just disappear because you fell in love with running now that would be kind of stupid yeah, and I hope I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And just like you mentioned, I mean, uh, it seems to me like you have a very healthy relationship with the sport, because there are a lot of guys that I see that are attracted to this kind of extreme endurance or extreme in some other way, and these are let's say like people like executives, lawyers. Yeah, and, you know, like A type personality types who yeah. who are, like you said, pushing it. And the difference between 110 and 109 is a very big difference for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. While in the big picture, it doesn't really make difference. It's a difference if we are speaking about second or third place or first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Right? hundred percent like I'm not saying you know like I'm not a big hands holder like want to finish holding hands with everybody around like if you race you go race you should be the best you can be so you know like there is a competition that's why we go there you can be mad somebody drop you 100 meters before the race and beat you like like if you want to run with your friends and holding hands you can do that every weekend but if we go in the race then let the best guy win for sure but yeah if i if i have no chance to be like in utmb maybe top 10 then it doesn't matter anymore and in the, another race is where they don't really call 10 people on the podium besides maybe western states then yeah for sure if it's not a chance to be top three and who cares if you're 20 at 50 at 100 it's just if you don't enjoy there what are you doing then it doesn't really matter, like, you know, who who else gonna tell you, like, yeah, you did a good job, the Facebook should, or, you know, like, who else? Like, exactly. you have to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, we just, we just lately, people do stuff for Facebook and for, for a lot of that social media crap, which I'm a part of, and I absolutely love it, but that's not a point of why I'm doing so, right? Exactly. What I like about this, uh, also based on this conversation, is that you keep your identity. You have your integrity and it's not like you mentioned, like if Hoka asked you to wear their shoes and uh, asked you for cooperation, then you would probably refuse because it's, it's not the right shoe for you. And that is getting more and more rare in today's society because people will do basically anything most yeah of I know 
<clears throat> I know people who do. Uh, I see that on a daily basis. Like a lot of friends or people I know, you know, they they uh, they promote something, and uh, next week they promote something else, which which wouldn't be a bad thing, I guess. But well, I guess I kind of switch over the years also. But that's just you know that's just kind of evolution. I exactly. would call it that like, way. Like it's, you, it's you find a product. Yeah, you find a product, and you believe, okay, this is uh, this is good. And in that moment, it could be whatever that be, like a racing fuel. Like you love it, you run great on it, and it's good. But then you get maybe sick of it, or it doesn't feel right, and upsets your stomach. You start puking in the racing, and you gotta look for something else. And then you find it, and it works. So. You know, I switch from one brand to another. I'm not saying the first one is bad. It's just in the process of uh, my running, it becomes uh, becomes time when something else replacing it, and that's the way it is. But uh, the fundamental stuff, like the shoes and and that kind of the very basic way I move, I don't think I can change that because that's the way it is. Like I, I don't know. I could probably switch from one barefoot company to another but i still gonna be in that space of barefoot running right right that's that's kind of that's kind of you know my way to uh keep that true like i can imagine yeah i would go from from total nothingness to super padded shoes and try to convince people that switch happened overnight and it's completely natural because that would be based on money. That's the only way I could explain it really, right? Nothing yeah. else. I guess you wouldn't be even able to run in these shoes. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I don't know, but I'm I, coaching I, I, people sometimes and I try to show them like, don't heel strike and some of them don't know what that means. So I'm like, okay, I show you how, what, like, what's the heel strike. But I can't because I just don't have that, you know, like my legs doesn't work, doesn't load that way. So yeah, yeah. then I can do it, but I look very unnaturally doing so. Because once I tried this and actually I also uh, use barefoot shoes. Oh, do you? Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. Since I started running, uh, I have always used uh, Vibrams. Oh, there you go. I think it's important, like, when... You know, when when I started running, I find the board to run book kind of quickly, mm-hmm. and then that minimalist running went into it very very quickly. So uh, from that point move on forward, that that feels very natural and good to me, and I learned the process and build the muscle. Like it feels very very good to me. Like it doesn't make sense anything else yeah. uh, looking backward, but like I can see like somebody running 20, 15, 10, 5 years in. Uh, in the, you know, ASICs or Nike and whatever, and then they try to switch, it's gonna be confusing, I guess, you know, yeah. like a lot of people I saw, they try, and two months later, just went back to the Nikes, because they just said, like, you know, screw it, like, this is weird, My like, it doesn't hurt. feel good. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what I wanted to say was actually that I tried a minimalist shoes that had, like, what was it? Four or five millimeters drop. Mm-hmm. I, I was not able to run in them. It, it it was too much of a difference, really. It's, it, it was very different. 
But you try it now after running in zero or, yes, or before? After, after, after running in oh, zero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, so, was, you, you know, I was, I'm used yeah. to it and it's, it was really like, it felt very different. So I guess the other way around it would be maybe even bigger difference. Yeah, only four mil. Because I was uh, I was playing with idea actually like I'm gonna say it why not but you know the Salomon shoes Sands Ultra or something what Killian runs mm -hmm. in yeah yeah and they are four mil drop and I was really playing with idea okay like once I'm gonna have to buy these and try it out like what's what's the hype of all these shoes. Like a lot of people using it, it seems to be running fast and they are light and they look pretty. And I don't know, I don't know how they fit. I never have a, such a thing on my feet, probably. I, I try, well, I have a Salomon's back then before everything, but that felt super, super narrow. And I can't imagine running anything in those. But, but when I look the shape of that shoe it might might seems like there is a little bit of extra space like in normal salomon shoes and i really play with the yeah, i could try but when nobody sees me you know <laughs> and people are going to point a finger and say hey that's the vivo barefoot guy running in salomon's i would just give a shot and see how that feel but it's still i never never tried we'll see maybe yeah. one day well, as far as I know, they are for ultra distance running, these as lap sense. Yeah. And, well, as far as I know, I haven't ever tried it, but uh, as far as I know, people say that they are still like pretty narrow, they have pretty fit, or, or they fit very like kind of sock or something. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I was talking with guys with Salomon and they said basically <laughs> that shoe was developed for Killian and Killian only, but mm -hmm. he uh, uh, he makes such a big hype about it. Like, not really him. Like, he won a bunch of races, but people was like, holy shit, we won that shoe with Killian running. So then they just pace it out because his feet are really like a small, like seven uh -huh. and a half or whatever. He's like, like a smaller guy. So they just make like okay five six seven two do 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 do, but like nobody really uh, play with design of the shoe. So it's still like Killian's shape of shoe, but different sizes. So it might fit you perfectly, or you're gonna completely hate it. You know? Yeah. It, instead of a lot of shoes are being built kind of uh, naturally, like in that middle ground, what uh -huh. fits everybody, even. The, Vivo Barefoot have a problem, and uh, and we talk about that with Asher, with owner and designer of these shoes, and like a lot of people who are already barefoot runners for a while, they was complaining like Vivo Barefoot shoes are not wide enough, and uh, some of them like like people wish they would be more wider, but we we talk about this, and he said the problem is though, like uh, a lot of people going into Vivo Barefoot shoes from regular shoes, right? So your feet are corrupted and they are narrow or pointy or or like, well, basically far away from being natural foot. Yeah. And if, if you would take like a already developed beautiful foot of five, six, seven year, 10 years barefoot runner and base, shoe, base, base shape of the shoe for that, then all these regular people would feel like they're wearing uh, flip-flops, you know? Yeah. Or, or like, 
the, the shoe would be just huge for them. So he, he tried to design something in the middle where it's still acceptable for the guy with the wide foot, maybe, but it's also acceptable for the guy with the narrow foot just going into that transition and mm -hmm. he's going to say, okay, this, this feels better, but it, it, you, 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 it can be huge because if it's just huge, you're never going to run in, it, in the trails. You're just going to be tipping over and sliding sideways. And so it's hard. It's hard for them to design the shoes, but it works kind of for everybody, I guess. Yeah, definitely. But I, I'm noticing the trend with Vivo Barefoot, and that is that people here in Bratislava, in Slovakia, mm -hmm. They, they are starting using it and not for running but for like everyday walking and oh uh, yeah basically for that and I, I myself own it and I use them for like normal yeah ju for just for walking for office and so on so for that I really love them yeah I noticed when I was out in Europe like a lot of people have a a lot of but there is people wearing barefoot footwear for sure like yeah. even in the i think it was a swollen i pull on the gas station to fill up my gas and there is guy walking around in vivo barefoot <laughs> shoes and i was like huh, what that's cool yeah like but, a year ago it was not seen very often yeah yeah i bet you but they are they, they're good they're okay i'm sure there is a lot of another companies as well like it's uh, yeah like you know like i try to inspire people if i can to to realize this is the bigger picture than one brand of shoes right mm -hmm. like you you gotta see like this barefoot kind of living style it's it's good for you in general and then whatever you buy it doesn't matter just yeah it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like being a vegan, if you will. Like, if you understand that being a vegan is good for you, then I'm going to tell you the only thing you can eat, it's a cow, right? Like, yeah. eat whatever you want, just be a vegan. <laughs> it's not like I am, but I'm just saying that. Like, if you understand the barefoot running, it's good for your feet, good for your posture, and good for your joints and everything. You want to run Luna Sandals? Great. Vivo Barefoot? Great. Joe Nimble, whatever now it's popping on the, on the market, like it's all good. You like Vibram better? Great. Whatever. Just just don't be uh you know, don't be the guy who need to buy different Nikes every four hundred kilometers and and spend every <laughs> money you make on it because that's for sure doesn't gonna make you better runner. That's for sure. Yeah, that that would be also with ultra running kind of. Expensive changing shoes every 400 kilometers. Yeah, <laughs> this one no kidding. Like my Luna, some of them have 4,000 k on it. It's nothing wrong with it. And when I have it on my Strava, there is a thing popping, and it says, "Do you want to replace your shoes?" Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, "No, I, not even close." Why? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's not broken. It's nothing yeah. wrong with it. That's it. Well, but for 4K, for it's, it's it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Luna's they they are uh, there is an origin called, and they are made of Michelin car tires, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the bottom layer, bottom layer of 
solid Michelin tire, like recycled tire. They ground it down, make it thinner, and then they just glue it on the top of the foamy material, and then you have the foot bed where your foot go on the top. So when you think about it, how many kilometers or miles you put over, you know, what? Like usually people replacing tires in the car probably every, I don't know, two, three years. Some of them even longer, but let's say like really when you really follow what you should, it's probably two years and then you replace tires. Right. So over two years, you put on amount of kilometers what you're never going to put on your sandals in the lifetime of the human, I believe. Yeah, definitely. So, you, so if the bottom is good, then why really replace the sandal? I, I replaced the straps on it twice now, but the sole is still perfect. Nothing wrong with it. That's a good marketing now for Luna Sandal. <laughs> well, that's the true though. Yeah. Like I was, I was, you know, I was talking with Barefoot Ted when we was down in the Mexico. We was riding together in the bus, sitting next to each other, and I'm saying like, hey what's the lifetime of these origins and he said i don't know and i'm like what do you mean well nobody like damage them yet right like we don't know like we test them but it's gonna be some huge number like eventually somebody gonna say but we we don't have a time to test handles 10 years and then say they last 10 years right <laughs> so even they didn't know how long they're gonna last you it, it, it is how it is it's true but you can i guess like jump on the rocks like super sharp or glass or something and just kind of like damage it purposely but just walking around yeah, yeah. I don't think you could do anything with that sandal it's gonna be really long time lasting all right and now that we are speaking actually I would change the topic to like training and mm. like with ultra running it's mostly well, on one side it's about physical training, physical capabilities, but there comes the point when you simply have to push yourself with your willpower and your determination or whatever. It's about your mind mostly. So Yeah. Yeah, so can you talk more about your experience? Because I have not run these distances. My farther distance was about like racing fifty K or something like that, but I would love to try also these longer distances only because of this mental challenge yeah well uh yeah 50k is it's far enough but it's not that far like if you if you are marathon runner then 50k it's not that far it's just 8k extra so you totally bank that that's not a problem if you're not runner at all then you know 50k it's huge like you can already fight with a lot of mental even for 50k and now we are getting to the point when i'm i'm gonna say something and you can you can relate to that because it's gonna go from that 50k distance so i believe ultra running it's huge part it's a mental game like for sure it's huge there is no doubt about it but it comes to the point when you switching that physical into mental right so if you are capable and you train enough hard enough and good enough to run 50k which you already did then you basically like you didn't experience anything mental that hard did you no 
Exactly. So if you ran, if you train correctly for 100 miles, then even that distance gonna go fairly easy for you. You know, uh-huh. like if you don't do your job properly and you're running 100 miles, and after 50k, which you feel great, then you're gonna feel like, okay, well now I'm done, and I still have to run another 110 kilometers. Then you're switching that switch, going into mental. And you have to push another 110 kilometers with your brain. And your legs are already cramping and you have a hard time and you feel sleepy and whatever. Like you just burn out too soon, right? So I'm, I'm always tra- like saying like people should train their physical bodies way better and harder and prepare yourself for a race. So when you're actually running it, you only you only have a bunch of rough patches with the mental like you know or something but yeah like there is a there is a point where you where you're gonna hit it but where that's gonna be your training gonna decide like you yeah. can you can take a 10k runner and put him in the 50k and after 10k 40k it's already mental so that's just crazy and then you can take a 10k runner, put him in 100 miles, and he's not a, he's, he's not a, he's not going to last with a mental game to run 150 kilometers just with the brain, right? Like, right. It's crazy. So yeah, when you're training and your body is ready, then that mental part it's going to be definitely less important than it is if you're not or if you. If you really like running something hard or conditions are bad, it, you can run 100k what normally take, I don't know, 12 hours. And just because it's snowing, raining, it's cold, it's muddy, it's slippery, you feel halfway like, you know, fuck, I don't want to do this thing. I just want to go home. Then, yeah, it, it is mental right there. You got to find the beauty of it somehow and convince yourself, okay, this is the worst shit ever. And I still gonna finish it because like that's why I'm here. You know, ultra running it's not easy. So that's why I'm here. If it's easy, then everybody can do it. So, you know, I'm not gonna win this one, but I'm still gonna be proud I finished something what another half people walk away from. So it's always like I said, it doesn't matter. You're not doing it for Facebook, you're doing it for yourself and uh how much you want it that that's how it's gonna go but yeah that's what the mental mental thing is like i don't think you can really train it like you kind of have it or you don't you know well i I can let you know like my perspective on this thing Mm -hmm. and this is like i think you mentioned one very important thing is like the training precedes the race or how you feel during the race so of course if you don't train for it then it will be harder yeah and maybe also like you mentioned the weather if it starts raining like now it was in UTMB the weather was not very nice and maybe you in, you don't strain in that kind of weather you are always in ideal conditions then it's something new for you and you have to push yourself mentally as well so but I think you can train for it and actually it's by creating conditions for yourself that are always challenging you in some way. So for example, uh, from my perspective what I did actually was 
running one hill up and down for 30 to 40k and that was like from my home or from my house up and down up and down and uh, the biggest challenge was actually turning at the house and leaving again you know away because it's always yeah. easier to run to home to your car or whatever but then there is this moment when you are turning away and you have to go away or run away from there and this is like this is the point where it's easy to say okay it was enough 21k or whatever 40k 42k doesn't make difference in the training well from the physical perspective no from the mental perspective it can pay dividends yeah i i see what you're saying but i still like i don't know man like you know to me it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter to me at all like you 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 have a good race or you don't like if i can run then it's going to be more likely the good race and if i cannot run then i'm going to look for a million excuses why to quit right so i can train for a million ways to be ready for every possible (laughs) scenario in the race so i better prefer to running in a kind of comfy like in a comfy setup where all my thoughts in the running gonna be always connected with positivity and then right. going in the race i'm just gonna stay in the moment and be like oh it's raining oh great it's raining who, who cares like it, it's all good like i'm running it's raining feels good it's cold awesome you know but like i'm not i am you know, like you can go probably in the worst storm on your life and you're going to say, okay, now it's the time when I'm going to run 50K around my house and I'm going to train my, my mental power and it's raining, pissing outside and I'm going to do it. And then you you will, you complete, but you will connect a lot of negative thoughts in that 50K training and you might take that in your on your racing where you're racing and it's raining and it's bad and you're thinking like, holy shit, like two months ago, I've been running 50k in my house, and that was crazy. My yeah. feed was bad, and you already like going ahead of yourself, kind of, you know. Like you yeah. start connecting all these experiences of how that was stupid and hard, and you bring that into your race. So I'm not really pushing myself. Like I, you know, I, I I've been climbing, and like we went in the in the in the big mountains, and I was in the wall with my shorts and the tank top, and you know up on the top of the mountains and freezing and was raining and all that and survived but i don't know if that's make me uh who i am nowadays or or i'm not and you know for sure and like in utmb when like everybody was freaking out it's gonna be rain it's gonna be snow it's gonna be mud it's gonna be tough like i'm completely fine that kind of environment which is normal to Canada like yesterday I run and there was already two feet of snow in the mountains like I know I can run in my shorts in the rain and I'm not freezing I know I can go in 3,000 meters in the shorts and be completely soaked and it's snowing and I'm not gonna freeze because I did that a million times before but still I was a little bit disappointed just because like I was ready to see some views like have a different perspective be on the sun Mm -hmm. and enjoy the race instead of being beat up by the race right Mm -hmm. so it's not like it's it's tough or easy it's just i don't know like you know like yeah maybe if you are like born in a in a 
city, like let's say you're born in the New York, and you never experience the snow in the top of the mountains. You never run in the headlamp with the headlamp in the darkness of the forest, and you don't know the technical trails, like how the headlamps work and how you see the rock, and you don't have that 3D perspective of vision, and you don't know how it feels to be in the top of the mountains when it's super windy and cold. Like for sure, this this could be mental challenge in the race which you never never experience in your life and you're just gonna give up race because of that and then for sure you should uh you should train for it there is no way around it for sure yeah but yeah if you if you kind of like all around little experienced guy and you're good like i don't think you need to uh i would better go run half marathon in 130 pace and really push myself to have a good workout instead of uh you know, like let's say outside is minus 20 and I'm going to run in a big park uh, and just running there thinking like this is ma- making me mentally strong and okay. I can really breathe heavy because my lungs are burning and it's just not a quality workout. It's just kind of like no, surviving the cold, right? That That's why like even in the winter I, I do like a ski mountaineering, schemo racing and schemo training on the skis, sure thing, because it makes sense. But when it comes to good quality running, then I would probably choose a treadmill and running inside over running outside and just suffering in the cold anytime, no problem. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's a very critical point, I think. Because uh, also I would just add to this that, yeah, then you, it's like, what, what do you, balance, how you balance it, what do you prefer, it's like, uh, if you need this physical training, or when it's come to, from the mind perspective, it is always about, like, what kind of association you have with, yeah. the, with that kind of training, so, that's definitely important, so, yeah, like you mentioned, going running in the storm and creating negative association, uh, that's not actually what I, how I meant it, you know. It's uh, it no, was, no, no. I know, yeah. I know, and I know what you mean exactly because that's what I was doing. Like when I when I start playing with this idea of going long, I would like I was straight back then for I think that was a bad Alton Sea, and I know it's gonna be road race. I knew there is no much hills there. Like there is a like a big climb on the end of it, but big climb kinda. Anyway, so I would grab my car loaded with uh, water, ice, and kind of make myself aid station in the car. And I drove in the middle of the day, in the middle of the flat road here. It's just flat. The farthest your eyes can see, it's just straight and flat. I put my car there, and then I run 5K out, turn around, 5K back to the car, grab more water, eat something, run 5K back, away from the car again but different direction turn around 5k back and that was already 20k right there and then i was doing this thing for 12 hours a day just didn't really care what my distance gonna gonna be like i just want to fill it up 12 hours of running back and forth back and forth and like you said coming to the car and sit down and drink something and eat something i always felt like you know screw this i just gonna start the car and go home but then I I had to, you know, I, I was doing that for a reason. So I have to be strong enough to tell myself, well, this is not enough for my training. I need to do more 
close the door, lock the car, and run away again. So yeah, for yeah. sure. Like I know, I know what you're saying. Going home and going out of the home, for sure, it's a different when you're in the mountains and you're running the loop, and you know you finish the loop and then you're done. So there is mentally kind of no ways to be quitting on the way because in that loop, even if even if you're in the middle and you turn around, you're gonna still run the same distance than just going ahead, right? So it just doesn't make sense to be quitting. But yeah you're saying but still like if you if you have a good quality run and thinking positively about it and creating good like you know like I'm just saying in general for people if uh-huh. you if you right. get yourself into something and you you want to do it long time you have to enjoy it like it has to be yeah, positive exactly. like you have to love with what you're doing like every run every training run you have to kind of love it you know so all these long runs on the easy pace, they, they got to feel good and then you look up to it. Like I'm, I'm sometimes talking to my friends and they're saying like, oh, I got a long run Saturday. Fuck, I hate doing it. Like it's going to be boring and it's long and I don't want to do it, but I have to because it's on the schedule. Like I don't live like that. I don't care about schedule and I'm looking forward to run five hours by myself, like listening music or something, whatever, you know, like when in life, you got a time five hours for yourself just to yeah. enjoy a randomness of the the situation what's going around it's it's pretty awesome so i like to you know connect running with very positive energy and 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 take that positivity in the racing and then just start, stay in the moment and see what's happening yeah. and uh, you know fix problems on the way how they happening you fix them really that's the my way kind of training yeah and that, that's exactly like what i also meant that the difference between your friend and yourself is that uh what association or how you think about it for him it's uh, something that's on the training schedule and not something that he really wants to do let's say because, yeah. because he already has this negative association and the story that it will be it will suck for whatever, yeah, yeah, for exactly. whatever reason, and for you, it's like, wow, well, finally, I can be by myself for five hours. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. So I have two last questions for you, actually, and that is like, what would you say is the thing, or maybe even more things that you learned through running? What are the biggest lessons? Mm. Well, <laughs> there is a there is many things like you know running. It's so simple and beautiful. You can apply it to life in many cases for for sure, mentally or physically. Like you, you learn about yourself. You're always capable of doing more than you think. You learn you can do whatever almost you set your mind to it. Right? Like in in real life it's it's hard to set the goal and kind of go for it and and accomplish it because you always you know like yeah there is not enough jobs there is uh you know opportunities in this country suck or that country is better and this and that and running it's pretty simple i don't care if you're running in you know africa canada or europe it's always uh it's always just the running so you got to train and you gotta do what you gotta do, and you can apply that in the in the life as well. Uh, but what I uh, what I uh, 
really kind of like, I guess, or the way the way thing was kind of significant was when we when we ran a jungle ultra in Peru. That was a couple of years ago. When uh, it's a five days race, basically stage race every day. You're running every day, almost a ha- uh, marathon distance, and the last day was 100k. Yeah. That's the same concept. What I'm gonna be doing now in Africa, and what I learned about, like, like you know, the transfer from death to real life. It's a it's a self-supported race, so you have to carry everything with you, meaning sleeping bag, extra clothes, food, everything for five days of running. You have to have a, in the start and then you finish when you finish. So if you calculate your nutrition badly or if your socks like are just destroyed and you don't have any more and you didn't take any more then you don't have a socks, right? So it's it's a it's a very self-supported race beside water. You don't get anything from uh, organization of the race. So you're running with the backpack which you have to think ahead and then you pack probably well, possibly the lightest way possible, but you still have to bring enough mm-hmm. calories for get you going for five days and, and you know, recovering and, and have enough energy to run all these mileage over every day. So it, it's not that simple how it seems. And if you are heavier, then you get plenty of food, but then running is harder. And if you're lighter, then you're running easy, but you don't have enough food to last you five days, right? <laughs> but what I tried to say, it's like over like day one, two, three, four, you realize everything you have is in that pack. Your entire life, it's in that one backpack. And every day you just use a little bit and then you repack it. You make it more runnable, make it smaller. But everything in the life, what you own, it's in that bag because in the four days of running, you kind of start isolating your mind from the life, from reality. You don't really care you have a house somewhere. You don't really care you have a car somewhere. Like you here in this jungle or whatever place you are for five days, only thing on your mind, it's, it's running. It may be competing with another people as well, but it's running. And, and everything you own, it's in one backpack. So... Every morning you grab that and you're good to go. And there is a beauty of it when you think about, you know, when I'm when I'm here in Canada, for sure, I'm not sure, Europe becoming a little bit more as well lately, uh, obsessed with the buying stuff and consuming, you know, like every day make money and go shopping and buy crap we didn't need just because it looked good. And all these huge shopping centers full of people walking around and spending their money yeah. on the crap they really don't need. Like, if you're going that, that kind of place with attitude of, okay, I'm coming back from this race and everything I needed was in my little backpack to survive. And now you're in the shopping center and you're looking around yourself. There is nothing you would need it in that jungle or whatever place. Absolutely nothing you need and and a lot of people buying it you know so th- this is probably kind of a thing when when i come back and i start to see stuff differently and i'm not buying shit i don't need i just buy stuff really life it what what have a purpose and i can use it for something and then for sure i try to buy the best it's possible 
because it's usually lasts me longer or it's better for the job I need, whatever. I'm not buying the cheapest stuff, but I'm not buying shit, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, this is the thing, like, from sure. The, the running world make you see the real life kind of kind of differently. You can live a simple way and still be happy. Yeah, I love that idea. As we are becoming more and more detached and yeah. basically unaware of what's going on, we are being <clears throat> influenced by media, by social media advertising and well, basically everything around. As you put it, once you are in this setting that all your life is one, in one backpack, that's when you get in touch with yourself with what really matters and get that different perspective in life yeah for sure so and the last question is like who is who or what inspires you in life what's inspiring to you well i don't know man like i've been uh I've been always in the nature since since very young and uh, when I was growing up my my cousin or my mom cousin technically but we we was always explaining people ah oh, that's my cousin it was was simpler way to say it but uh, that guy he showed me how to how to rock climb in fairly super young age and that was a kind of a switch when when I knew you know, like these guys was older than me and they was already traveling the world kind of, even in the communism, they was able to get in uh, Italy and France and bring some climbing gear, whatever, but but they was able to uh, climb and see, more more likely to, to see a different way of living, which communism back then didn't have. And I was the, just a young little, little boy listening these stories, how people are free in the different countries and how they can live and travel and climb and all that. So that was kind of affecting my life growing. And that was inspiring when I realized, you know, like whatever you are, if you're not happy with the situation, there is always way to, to change it, right? It's not going to be easy. And sometimes when you when you think about it, it's probably not even something when you can wrap your mind around. You don't know how that's gonna go. And we we making decisions in the life which are good or bad. And before you make that decision, you already run scenarios like, okay, how this gonna go and how it's gonna unroll from now if I choose this path. And then you already seeing like, okay, I'm going to go there and then I didn't find the job and there this is going to be hard. And then, you know, like I'm going to fail and I come back with all money or whatever. But that's not how it goes. Like you have to give it a chance and you have to go there and you have to see it and you got to be the best you can be. And then you got, you got, you know, like your life will, will go somewhere. It's like a running an ultra. Like if you, if you're sitting in the home and you're thinking tomorrow I'm going to run 100 miles and you're thinking already about everything possible what's going to go bad, then you're never going to run it. But in one point you say, okay, I'm ready. I trained for this and I'm going to give it a shot. So to me, it's for sure it's inspiring 
to try new stuff and, and I, I think people should try uh, new stuff not only in the running but in the life like they should go places and just like us you know pack our bags and go to Canada they didn't know how that gonna go you know mm-hmm. that kind of stuff relates to uh, relates to everything else and you know I go back home in Slovakia every two three years I would say it's always lately connected to some race somehow I don't go there very often just because I really don't have time I guess not I want to but it's just money and the time as well so like I said you got to pick and choose what you're gonna do but anyway I see a lot of my friends kind of complaining about how it is difficult and and how they will she would leave it so you know if, if anybody have that feeling just do it like, do something about it go and figure it out that's uh, that's kind of thing so what inspired me it's for sure people who are willing to take chances and like Killian run the Everest twice and you know like Uli Stag die now but he was inspiring mountaineer for sure and you know all that stuff uh it's kind of bigger than it is. Like if you yeah. if you running to the rest of your life and even running like every athlete, Peter Sagan for sure. You know, like everybody who willing to uh, do something. It's it's inspiring big time. Yeah. Well, I I really love this yeah. idea as well. I would say that the whole time I really enjoyed talking with you. Although you did most of the talking. Well, <laughs> but this I'm was sorry. really, from my perspective, it was really packed with live lessons and it was really inspiring from well, minimizing your training. You know, that that's kind of like, like I told you in the beginning of this interview, when I realized I'm probably not going to be the guy who's going to win everything he goes, then I kind of give up on that idea and... Uh, I noticed my sponsors are great, amazing people, which I represent, and they don't really care if I finish top three or I, or I didn't finish at all. So these people love to su- support my adventures and my vision of uh, like what I want to do in this sport. And then I then I really, you know, like I said, if I, if I can inspire others to enjoy life and do the best they can be it's probably uh the best i can do and and that's what i try to do so if you're the guy crossing the line last one 30 seconds before end of the race or you are the the guy who win ultra you still accomplish something huge what a lot of people doesn't even want to try and then all those hours and the sweat and blood in the training and just to go there and stay on the on the starting line that's huge accomplishment so you know, everybody should be proud who do so, and it doesn't really matter how the end goes. Like, the best guy will win. That's the bottom line. And we can all be the best, but we can be the best we can be. And that's the lesson what you should kind of take away from this, I guess. Be best you can be, and be happy, do best what you do, and enjoy it. Oh, thank and you. And sorry about me talking so much. No, no, I love it. <laughs> And what about next people? time? I can, hey, next time I can do interview, and I'm gonna be giving you questions, and you tell me what what's going on in your life. How about that? Deal, no problem. Okay, I, I will be very happy to do that. 
Sure thing, <laughs> we can flip the site. Yeah, why not? And what about people like if they want to connect with you, what, with what you do and so on, like where can they find you? What's the best way to stay in touch? Well, I got a, I got a Mayo, like it's at Mayo Calgary at Instagram. I think that's kind of the best way because I, I try to post two or at least one picture every day. It's usually mostly about running or sports in general. I don't try to uh, show much of my personal life in Instagram or social media. It's not like uh, I have anything to hide or something. I just don't, you know, like I follow people who are inspired me and that yeah. running thing, it's kind of separated from that everyday life. So it's more related to running. Like it's not much of a cat and, you know, like dogs and like, yeah, I have a dogs when I run with him, but I try to keep it very mainstream, like it's running related. So if you need some inspiration when it comes to running, then there you have it. But it's not a... It's not an everyday process kind of thing. So yeah, that the Instagram would be a thing, and social media as also the Facebook for sure. But that, that's more kind of even family oriented. I think I think it's some running stuff, but that one is more in the general. And then YouTube, I used to post a bunch of videos, and then I stopped because I don't know. I just I don't know. I might go back to it eventually. I was just busy training and doing something else. So, yeah, yeah. If there is a, some good questions, yeah. But if there is some good questions going on, then I would kind of go back to it or something. But lately, uh, not a lot of people con. Like back of the days, what I what I tried to do so was uh, you know, I get a lot of emails or or uh, Facebook Messenger questions. And they was kind of repetitive. Like, how did you start with barefoot running? How? What kind of shoes should I get? What? Yeah. What is the transition in the barefoot running? And all these kind of question was just paddling up all the time. The same same questions from hundreds of people, which contact me, and I realized, okay, like I can try to write it back to everybody and it's gonna like take me forever or I just gonna do these videos on the YouTube and I gonna kind of explain in the general what's what's the idea with behind all this so I just did these videos and then I post them there and then when people was asking me stuff I say hey maybe you should watch this second part or the first part or whatever it's yeah. kind of answering those questions so so after all I think people go in the YouTube and kind of find in beginning what they were looking for and they don't they don't run me messages uh, anymore or it less or something. So if there it's gonna be something more to it, I will go back. And even if, even me watching the videos backwards, I see some of them I would change or I would answer the question differently or whatever. But it is what it is. Some of them was recorded four years ago, so there yeah. you have it. Yeah. Okay. So that's all okay. from my okay, side. Good. Thank you very much for finding time. Thank you very much for inspiration and for sticking around. And no problem, as I mentioned, Daniel. I will, I will keep you posted. So that was interview with Mayo Cernik. I really enjoyed talking with him. He is such a great person, as you could have heard. And here are the takeaways from today's episode. So number one is do what you love and keep your integrity. The important thing in life is to stick with what you stand for, 
even it might, if it might result in having less money, not having or owning a big car, maybe having a smaller house, but it leads to higher general satisfaction and quality of life. Number two, uh, nowadays we are constantly consumed by marketing, we are bombarded by social media, we live a consumer's lifestyle, and that leads us often to buy stuff we don't really need, do things that are incongruent with our core values, and they might even lead to pretentious behaviors. So one way to break free from all of that is to preferentiate experience over things or owning things and get in touch with who you really are. Like Mayo mentioned, when you have just yourself and your backpack and that is your life in the moment, you really can distinguish what, what is important to you. So when you are stripped down to your core essence, to your core values, who are you? What is important to you? Number three, focus your attention on what is in near future. If you are to be worried about weather, economics, politics, like uh, if you are worried during the run that what will happen, what if you meet a bear or you know, about anything, you will end up being worried all the time. There is always something you can get worried about. So take the leap of faith, start taking action and develop that gut feeling and trust that you can handle and manage circumstances as they appear in your life. You know, having a big picture is very important and I'm the person who will tell you to think in big picture, think about also future, but when it comes to taking action, take it one step at a time, push yourself a little bit each time, that way build momentum, and this is the way how you build also this self-esteem and trust in yourself and to your gut instinct. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you are looking for some personal attention, you need some help breaking through, you are not clear on what it is that you want in life, or maybe you're just not there and you require some mentorship, some coaching, then contact me at daniel at danweiss.eu and let me know. We will schedule a Skype call that is a clarity strategic session. That is what I'm really good at, to see the big picture, to help you have and pinpoint the strategy that will serve you so you can use your energy and direct it in what matters. So you don't waste the energy on many things and making decisions and things that will just drain it without providing any tangible results. So improve your performance, life, relationships. That is what I'm passionate about. That is what I'm passionate about to help you with. Once more, daniel at danweiss.eu.